Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. You can always tweet us throughout the show. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air. That's at 910 The Fan or at AWOD Radio. And I saw a really cool video on Twitter from NFL Films. So after the game in which DK Metcalf destroyed the commanders in the final drive of the game, right, with two big catches, one for 24 yards to get the Seahawks in a field goal range and get the win, Logan Thomas came up to him, the tight end for the commanders, and said, hey, my son is a big fan, and I just wanted to let you know that it might not mean anything to you. And DK, with a really classy move, he said, are you serious? Your son loves me? He can have my jersey. So he took it off of his his body. He signed it. He autographed it for Logan Thomas's son and gave it to him. And I just thought that's a really cool moment there uh, in an NFL game uh, that's heated, that went down to the wire. Uh, but, you know, these guys are humans also, and uh, they have families just like you and I. But it is time to take your phone calls here on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. Great article by Sam Fortier this morning in the Washington Post. The Commander's defense often rebounds by now. This year, it seems cooked. And really, that's what we talked about last week was in the month of November... Ron Rivera had been 9-3. That's why I believed that his team was going to get a hard-fought road victory in Seattle. The problem is, is that the defense has regressed. The offense has taken steps forward. The defense has taken steps back. It's Murphy's Law of Washington. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. They finally found their quarterback. We've been searching for 29 years. Find our guy. But the defense cannot contain the explosive plays. And... He writes, after the field goal sailed through the upright, sealing another brutal loss, the commander's defense coordinator, Jack Del Rio, turned away from the field and hurled his headset. It slammed into the benches, inches from cornerback Benjamin St. Juice. I believe, I'm Adam Epstein on 910 The Fan, that we were inches away from Ron Rivera being forced to fire Jack Del Rio. If his headset makes any contact with Benjamin St. Juice, we're all jumping for joy because Jack the Hack Del Rio will be gone. But what happened was it landed inches from St. Juice, who had allowed several critical plays late in the game, and everyone ran off the sidelines into the locker room while St. Juice sat alone, shocked, knowing that he was the reason the commanders lost. And look, this the, the issue with the defense is they always seem to lack attention to detail. And because of that, they get burnt on big plays. And in my opinion, third downs in the NFL are the biggest play in the game every single drive. Third downs, whether you convert or not, make or break your game plan, and they can absolutely cost you a game. It is the play when an offense will go to their most talented player. It's the point in the game when the defense goes to their most comfortable coverage. You're going to get a moment in the game where the defense wins on third down, they get off the field, and every game you're going to get a moment where the offense wins on third down. Who wins more consistently on third down usually determines who wins the game. Well, Washington did a really good job against Seattle on third down. 
<coughs> they held the Seahawks to 3 of 13 on third down, but it was their critical third and four conversion on the final drive that took them from 3 of 13 to 4 of 14 and led them to the game-winning field goal. It was third and four from the Seattle 31. If the Commanders get a stop, they're going to force Seattle to punt, and we'll be looking at a game going to overtime. Instead, Geno Smith drops back, looks immediately to his left, and throws a short two-yard pass to DK Metcalf, who catches and runs for 17 yards to midfield. And Percy Butler and Benjamin St. Juice bring him down, but it was a little too late. Two plays later, the Seahawks go back to DK Metcalf for another 20-yard gain, and just like that, it sets up the game-winning field goal. Sam Fortier said from the Washington Post, in each of the first three seasons under Jack Del Rio, the defense started slow, but rebounded in time to make a midseason playoff push. The slight uptick in recent weeks suggests this unit might follow suit, but after Sunday, there's little reason to believe the defense can recover. They just give up too many explosive plays. That is the issue, right? The commanders are four and six, and defense might look better against the two and eight Giants and quarterback. Tommy DeVito, but then how are they going to look on Thanksgiving against a Dallas team that's had 468 yards of offense last week against the New York Giants? So here's the trend that Sam Fortier pointed out. In 2020, weeks one through six, they allowed 26 points per game. But the final 11 weeks of the season, they only allowed 16 points. Then in 2021, from 31 points per game to 20. And that's why the team went on a late season run in November. Last year, 22 points per game to 17.6. Imagine this commander's defense giving up 17.6 points per game. Stub, we might be undefeated if that was happening, right? I guess we still would have lost to the Buffalo Bills. But besides that, we would have won every game, right? Because the commander's offense has scored so many points this year. We, we were giving up... 17 last year. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, we would have won every single game this year except for the loss to the Giants and the Buffalo Bills. We'd be talking about a team that's what? 8-2. and two. Instead, they're 4-6 and six because of the explosive plays. Washington has allowed 7.9 explosive plays per game. All right, remember, an explosive play is 10 or more yards rushing and 15 more or more yards passing. They're fifth worst in the NFL right now. And what's so frustrating to me is I feel like Washington gives up so many explosive plays because of the matchups that Jack Del Rio trusts in, right? Like a linebacker on a running back. David Mayo should never have to guard Kenneth Walker. He got burnt every time that happened. A linebacker on a tight end. Jamin Davis can make some plays, but more likely than not, he's going to screw up against a tight end. We need a safety in that spot there. Or just our rookie corner going against the opposing team's best player with no help overall over top. And we're not pushing guys at the line of scrimmage, not trying to jump them at the line. You cannot allow a free run from DK Metcalf, one of the best wide receivers in football. If you let him go untouched off the line of scrimmage, and he runs a slant route, that's unstoppable. The only way to stop it is to grab him with your outside arm 
And you get a pass interference penalty on that, Benjamin St. Juice. You can't do that. This past weekend, it was explosive play after explosive play after explosive play. Where Washington could not stop Seattle running or throwing. They were hot. And Washington fell flat when it mattered most. The most embarrassing play being a first and ten rollout in which Geno Smith was struggling to find an open receiver. So you let him dump it off to his running back. Oh yeah, it's a five-yard play, right? Well, he turned it into a 64-yard explosive play, touchdown, catch and run because of bad coverage and a few missed tackles. And Kendall Fuller, the cornerback, pointed it out after the game. It was embarrassing. He said a three-yard pass should not go for 64 yards, and yet it did. Explosive plays allowed in the NFL this season. Last place, the Cincinnati Bengals. That's why they struggled defensively this year. Almost nine explosive plays per game. 31st, the Denver Broncos. I mean, that defense gave up a million explosive plays to the Dolphins when they scored 70 points. The Steelers' defense, 8.22 explosive plays. But Steelers' defense causes turnovers. The Giants are 29th. Washington is 28th. Washington has been terrible at stopping opponents as the clock winds down. With four or few minutes to go, they have allowed 75 points this year. You want a field goal or you want a late touchdown drive? You better hope you have Washington on the schedule. That's how bad it's been for Commanders fans this year. And the Seahawks had two opportunities in the first half. They got a field goal with under four minutes left and then had a chance for another field goal. Ron Rivera's ass got lucky that Geno Smith threw the ball into the dirt because that was another opportunity for some late-game points. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, if you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. We're going to switch things up and go around the NBA on the Fast Break with AWOD coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. I, I did watch a, a new movie that I will break down on Netflix coming up at 2.15. You know, Stubb, the producer extraordinaire, is always watching movies, so I'm sure he's got something to chime in on Netflix and phone lines are always open if there's a new movie or TV show or a podcast uh, that you want to recommend to the AWOD Army, just give us a call, 833-804-0910. But I mentioned it earlier, there's a really good NBA game tonight that I'll be checking out. There's also a ton of good college basketball, but in the NBA tonight, you get the Spurs against OKC, the Battle of the Seven Footers. Wemby against Chet Holmgren, and we break it all down right now here on The Fast Break with AWOD. Let's go. Let's play some basketball here. We're going on The Fast Break with AWOD. From buzzer-beating shots to the best highlight plays from around the league, every clutch moment. The all-stars of the league. We're out in transition. It's a breakaway. It's good. It's the Fast Break and AWOD talking all things NBA. And joining me right now as I grab the outlet pass and head out on the Fast Break is Justin Fensterman. What's going on, Fensty? 
Awad, hit me. I'm open. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How's your jump shot, Fancy? Oh, it's awful, man. I'm like a Reggie. I'm like a Reggie Evans. I'll average like two points, but thirteen rebounds. I was always a defensive guy. So the Washington Wizards disappointed me last night, dude. Uh, had a twenty-three point lead against the Toronto Raptors. They didn't score a point in the final five and a half minutes of the game. How does that happen in the NBA? Yeah, that's a good question, A1, and I have no idea. And it makes me wonder because in this matchup, I was expecting it to actually be kind of close. We had a lot of blowouts predicted last night but yeah they just couldn't hit anything man and i gotta ask you this awad what are your thoughts here i'll throw it back to you for this jordan Poole. i mean i'm sure you've seen the videos going around not paying attention in the huddle saying it's his team and everything do you think that this guy is maybe a step above a jamal crawford because i don't see him being a team leader it all starts with him because kuzma was hitting everything I thought you were going to say he's a step above James Harden in terms of being a cancer for a locker room. I mean, look, this is the, this is the reason they traded for Jordan Poole because you're going to get some highlights, you're going to get some flash plays, but also he might help your team lose games. He might help the tank. <laughs> and really, so that's why I've got no problem uh, with Jordan Poole stinking it up and uh, being selfish and all this stuff. I mean, He takes awful shots. Yeah, I've does. seen videos of you, Awad, taking shots. You take smarter shots than he does. Dude, he threw the ball off the backboard to Kyle Kuzma, down by 21 points in a game. I mean, yeah, he, I he's embarrassing. He's embarrassing. I don't get it. Yeah. But I'll say this, Awad, Koulibaly... Looks very good. I like him. I like when he this does, guy is able but to I get need him, minutes. Nick. I need him to take the headband off because he looks too much like Bradley Beal, and I'm anti-BB3. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can imagine how you feel about Clifford Robinson back in the day. He started the headband. <laughs> hey, how about Tyrese Maxey scoring 50 points and dedicating the win to Kyle uh, Kelly Oubre? You know, we didn't talk about the Oubre story. Can you explain that to my audience a little bit? Yeah, Kelly Oubre, unfortunately, he got hit by a car. And when he got hit by a car, he Thank goodness, a lot of the injuries he suffered, really the fractured rib, and that's it. We're being told, though, that he's still going to take a while to heal up. A lot of bumps and bruises. Obviously, it could have been worse. A very scary situation, and it really just stinks for Philly because Philly, with all the James Harden drama they were dealing with, this story, like you were saying, Awad, went under the radar because Kelly Oubre, who I always loved in Washington, by the way, I just thought he was too similar to Otto Porter Jr. That was one problem, but... Kelly Oubre, just a good 3-and-D guy, gets you excited on the offensive end as well, and that's a piece that Philly's going to be missing now. But, yeah, Kelly Oubre was hit by a car. We don't know when we'll see him, but he had, did suffer a fractured rib, but it, it could be much worse. And, by the way, yeah. Tyrese Maxey doing everything. 50% shooter, over 43% from downtown. The guy's blocking shots, grabbing steals, putting up so many boards and assists as well. He's doing a little bit of everything stuff in the stat sheet. No, he, he's so great, and I have a funny story. During COVID, I interviewed Tyrese Maxey, and, and um, I didn't think he was going to be that good, right? He was small. Uh, he didn't have a great outside shot, and now look at him. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, he's great, man. And he's just fun to watch, too. And for the last number of years, we've seen Philly play this very slow-style basketball. And they're still not the quickest team. He makes them more exciting. He's definitely that change-of-pace player that you normally see come off the bench and get the team running. He's having this team run, and I feel like that's going to keep this team competitive throughout the year. And they play tonight in group play of the NBA in-season tournament. I haven't asked you about that, Fancy. What are your thoughts? 
I mean, the courts make my eyes bleed, Awad. Yeah. I'll be honest with oh, you. Oh, dude, I I, I'm, I'm surprised more people haven't hurt their ankles because they don't even know how they're landing. It looks like you're landing <laughs> in a pond. It really does, man. And they got to come up with a better point of differential for this tournament because if the whole point of differential is, oh, the courts look cool. Well, number one, they don't look cool. It literally hurts my eyes to watch basketball games. So something I thought I'd never say. And B, you know, if you're going to be putting in other rules to get players to not rest and to get teams to make sure they're playing their players, well, this tournament's not going to change that. I mean, look at tonight. We've got a bunch of questionable guys. Yeah. No, you're right. It's it's not working. Uh, I, I mean, the, the courts look stupid. I've heard people suggest, oh, they should be playing in a certain venue that would make it more interesting. I'm okay with that. My crazy suggestion was, how about four and four hoops? What do you think of that? You know, I don't mind it. I, I really don't mind preserve some of the team as well, which I'm all about because, it, it, you know, with – all that's going on here, I mean, the whole thing with this tournament was to just try to get the excitement at the beginning of the season. But let's right. face it, Awad, any sports fan knows that during this time, until January, essentially, football, it's a football world. Yeah. And the NBA can do whatever they want to do. They're not going to be able to change that. They're just not. Yeah, no, the NBA's in trouble because as soon as football ends, I, I know a lot of people here in Richmond turn to solely focus on college basketball. They don't even think about the NBA. And that's sad because the NBA, which has been getting more popular and everything, you're starting to see some of these other teams that we weren't used to seeing make it that far, start to go the distance a little bit, that you'd want a non-NBA town to be able to magnetically like it. And it's sad for me, who's a big NBA guy and has it his whole life, to hear that. But it's the truth right there. And the NBA doing this tournament is not going to turn heads away from football. It's just not. Two games on TNT tonight. I know you love TNT Tuesdays just like myself here. And we start with the Spurs against the Thunder. The battle of the seven-footers. Chet Holmgren against Wemby. Yeah, it's going to be great with Wemby, with what we've seen from him. Although we have seen good defensive front courts neutralize him a little bit and force him to shoot more threes. And when he's off his rhythm, he's not going to hit them. But rookie woes indeed. So we all know how good Webanyama is. But i got to give Chet Holmgren some credit. He's blocking over two shots per game. He has an outside shot. The one thing, Awad, I went on another show earlier and I started ranting about this. So yeah. I'll spare you the rant. And I'll just say, this guy has to learn how to hold on to the ball when he's rebounding. He's nervous, man. You can just tell it's going right through his hands whenever he has a clear chance at rebounding. And when I'm looking at things like props and I'm looking at points rebounds, we need him to be able to grab those boards. Chet Holmgren should be averaging more than six and a half to seven boards per game. I feel like those nerves will go away in the next month, month and a half, and you'll see those rebounding numbers go up. I like both of these guys, man. Watching them is fun. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. 10 p.m. on TNT, the Clippers against the 8-2 Denver Nuggets. They're 6-0 at home and in home at Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. I think Tyron Lue should be fired for the comment he said about Bones Highland out of ECU, where he said, oh, we can't, we, it's, it's a shame we can't play Bones anymore because we got to play James Harden. Stop playing James Harden. Bones was playing well with them. But like James Harden said, Awad, he is the system. He's not a systematic player, not a systematic player, not a teammate. He's the system. Yeah. Basically him saying he's the team. They've walked into this mess. They knew what they were getting into. The Clippers feel, as they kind of should, I guess, that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they can get hurt at any time. And when that kind of thing happens, your window is so small, okay, you add an offensive piece to hedge a little bit, and you know what? 
they knew what they were walking into, and this team is no better, as expected, with James Harden there. He's just not a good teammate. He doesn't care. He cares about his stats, and that's not team building. That's not chemistry right there. He's a chemistry crusher. No, you're so right about that. I I do love watching Paul George play, though, so I'm glad he's having a good season. Absolutely, and it's great when he's healthy and he's not playing 45 games, but the problem is now he's going to have to do more defensively because James Harden is allergic to defense. So that's going to be a big problem there with this Clippers team. i got to give it to Russell Westbrook, though. He improved defensively, and he was actually putting up great numbers, and the team was guarding guards excellently. Now you put James Harden in there, and all that's going to be ruined. That's Justin Fensterman. Follow him on social media at Fensty Sports. Check him out as a host on Sirius XM Fantasy and NFL. And of course, he's my NBA expert. Any other NBA news we didn't get to yet, Fensty? Yeah, no, nothing really tonight except now we're finding out Trey Young will not be playing tonight for the Atlanta Hawks due to personal reasons. So he will be out. That's the big news that we have going on with them versus Detroit. I don't know if you got to see Asar Thompson, though, averaging over 10 rebounds per game. I didn't know how you thought the Thompsons would, or the Thompson Bros would be in the NBA, but at the same time, Asar Thompson, this guy's a player, man. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I was caught in the trap where I didn't know anything about overtime elite, so I thought he was going to be a bust, but uh, uh, him and his brother are super athletes, and uh, they've been fun to watch. For sure, absolutely. Fancy, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Awad. Yep, follow him on social media at Fancy Sports. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. It just takes time Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. And Ryan Odom got his first win as head coach during the regular season for the VCU Rams and has a chance to go on his first ever win streak as the head coach. Tomorrow, as the Rams host Radford from the Seagull Center, pregame show starts 45 minutes before tip-off right here on 910 The Fan. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, as he does every Tuesday at 1.30 to run around local sports in Richmond, Virginia, from CBS 6, it's Lane Casadante. What's going on, Lane? Hey, Adam. How's everybody this afternoon? Going pretty well here. What is the biggest sports story in your world today? I, you know what? <laughs> There's a whole bunch of things. Uh, we're we're, uh, we're going to be listening to what Tony Elliott had to say earlier today. Obviously, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the shooting, the on-campus shooting up at UVA uh, that took the lives of three of his players. Um, the team had yesterday off, as they do every Monday, so none of them spoke uh, or were available. And... Um, We'll hear from Elliot today to uh, to get his thoughts one year later on everything that happened. Uh, I am coming back from Williamsburg talking with Mike London as the uh, 100 and I believe 134th edition of uh, William and Mary Richmond will be this Saturday down at Zabel Stadium, and the Spiders are playing as they have been for the last five weeks for their playoff lives. If they win, they should be in the FCS postseason. Um, so there's, there's, I, I tell you what, I, I just told Coach London this. I hadn't seen him in a while, but this is probably one of the busiest falls that I've had in a long time, and I haven't left Richmond. <laughs> there is so much going on, like right in Richmond, that uh, Sean Robertson and I can't even get out of town to go see some of our other friends around the state. It's been that busy. 
You mentioned Virginia and the tragedy last year, and um, I mean, our thoughts and prayers go out to all the family members uh, of the of the guys that passed away there, and, and everybody on the team, including Paris Jones, who's man. I mean, this is so tough. So he just had spinal surgery, and I saw the report that he's still recovering in the hospital after the hit that he took in the game over the weekend. Yeah, he's going to be in Louisville for a while. Doing, he's actually going to do his rehab down there, but. The fact that what was scary was, first of all, the hit was scary. Uh, secondly, uh, the report from the uh, from ESPN was that when they loaded him in the ambulance, he was still not moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, the, the EVA folks got back to all of us late, late Thursday night, early Friday morning and said, okay, we have reports that he's doing better and he has movement in all his extremities, which is great to hear. But anytime you hear the phrase spinal surgery, that's not good. And uh, the fact that he is recovering so far as well as he has is a small miracle. Uh, and you just wish, uh, you know, for the young man to get through his rehab, get back to, a, you know, as close to normal as he could. And then, you know, we'll go from there and see, uh, you know, how badly uh, his injury really affected him that night. Let's talk a little high school football playoffs and the VHSL Class 6 playoffs are fully underway. And got to give a shout-out to my high school, South County. The Stallions are the one seed. They got a win over West Potomac and will face off against Fairfax uh, this Friday. Uh, But locally here in Richmond, let's start with the two seed against the three seed in Class 6, Thomas Dale against Manchester. One of the things that is, you know, this it's great at this time of year. You know, you're only going to play the best teams at this time of year. But one of the sad things about this is in class, in, in, uh, in Region 6A, you have Highland Springs, Thomasdale, Manchester, and Oscar Smith, four of the best programs in the state. Only one of those programs is going to advance. We get down to two after Friday night. Highland Springs, Oscar Smith, I mean, that's a state title game almost any other year if things were aligned differently. Uh, Thomasdale and Manchester, two of the most productive and successful programs that the Richmond area has had over the past 15 years. One of them is going to end their season Friday night. And I I know it's playoffs, and I know that that's what happens this time of year, but it's really a shame that, you know, more than one of them can't advance. Yeah, so, you know, is Oscar Smith always going to be in Region A? Because I know, like, Highland Springs uh, moved up to Class 6 this year. So would Oscar Smith always go against, like, a Thomas Dale or a Manchester eventually? That's, it, it goes by size, and I think Oscar Smith is one of the bigger schools down in Tidewater. So they are always most likely going to be Class 6. Highland Springs uh, has grown a little bit with the expansion of their facility. They have a few more kids there. Uh, and I think uh, some of the specialty programs that they have count towards their student population, and that's part of what moved them up this year. How about to Class 5, over to Class 5, and Godwin with the upset, and they face off against Matoica this Friday. Class 5 saw the number, or excuse me, Region 5C, which, to be more specific, saw the number 1, number 2, and number 4 seed all, all lose, excuse me, in the first week. Wow. So the number three seed, Matoica, has home field advantage as long as they keep winning. And uh, if you have ever been to Matoica High School, you'll know that it isn't right around the corner. 
and you'll know that they have a fantastic game day atmosphere, and you'll know that that is a very tough place to play. So don't sidestep the, the, the Warriors just yet. Uh, Douglas Freeman pulled off a little bit of an upset over Hermitage. That had been uh, a stumbling block for them the last few years. Now they get the number eight seed in the region, which is William Fleming out of Roanoke, who pulled off the biggest upset last weekend by beating Patrick Henry of Roanoke. So that one is completely wide open. We thought that region might be a little bit up for grabs when Glen Allen and Highland Springs moved up this year, but this is beyond what we could have imagined. Lane Castadante with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. He joins us every Tuesday at 1.30 to run around local sports in Richmond, Virginia. And, of course, I've got to ask you about the Commanders. Had the disappointing loss on the road to Seattle. But how about this? Brian Robinson Jr. has averaged 13.6 yards after the catch this season. That's the best among all running backs in the NFL, according to Pro Football Network. And that is not what you might have expected out of him when he was drafted or when he began his career. We all thought he was going to be a between-the-tackles bruiser. The fact that he has that aspect to his game makes him that much more valuable and makes that pick that much more important for this offense. Uh, I think between he and Sam Howell, I, I, I really liked it. I, I liked both of those picks when the commanders made them. Uh, and I know Sam Howell had his issues at North Carolina. He wasn't always as consistent, hasn't quite been this year, but you can see him get better each week. And I thought Brian Robinson was a fantastic pick. And when they figure out how to use him and when they get that offense moving in the right direction, whomever their coach will be next year, Brian Robinson is going to be a huge asset. All right, Lane, before I let you go, you mentioned the game this Saturday at 1 p.m., Richmond at William & Mary, Spiders against the Tribe. Uh, Give us a breakdown. Spiders have won five in a row. They have a couple of uh, really head-scratching losses back at the beginning of the season. They lost to Morgan State in a game that they they should have won. Uh, They lost to Hampton. Hampton is one of the common opponents between William & Mary and Richmond this year. Uh, but I, I asked Mike London, I said, you know, do you even look at the Hampton game because Richmond is such a much different team now than when they played Hampton? And, he, you know, he kind of said that you look more at personnel than anything else. They don't necessarily compare matchup to matchup. Um, William and Mary, you know, they ranked number four at the beginning of the season. They lose Bronson Yoder, their All-American running back. Uh, the season has not in, you know, turned out the way they want. But they have gotten, you know, they've won a couple of games here towards the end. They won't be going to the postseason, but, you know, they still want to end their season on a winning note, and they would love to keep their biggest rival out of the postseason. So both teams have a boatload to play for on Saturday. Follow Lane on social media at Sports. Thanks a lot, Lane. All right, Adam. Thanks for having me. Have a great week. Yep, that's Lane Casadante. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Stubb, what song is this? This is like a song from a TV show, isn't it? Uh, this is Welcome to Paradise by Green Day. It might be in a show. Maybe. I just listen to a lot of Green Day. I love Green Day, too. Maybe that. Maybe I just really like that song. Uh, but this is the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. A term we've talked about a ton on this show is superhero fatigue. And the big story today is the Marvels actually had the worst opening in the history 
of the MCU. There are 33 films in the MCU, but the MCU could be heading to the point of no return. That's the lead story here on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. So this weekend was the debut of The Marvels. Certainly didn't bring any positive news, according to the study or the report. Domestically, the film took in just $47 million at the box office, which is the worst opening of all of the 33 MCU films, Marvel Cinematic Universe films, that began with our Iron Man and Robert Downing Jr. Worldwide, the box office receipts were around $110 million. While that sounds like a lot, it's worth noting that the film's budget was reportedly over $275 million. Meaning there's no shot of pulling a profit. I mean, who's surprised? Right? Like, like everyone is kind of done. I was done after Guardians 3. That was kind of the last. I was, do- I was probably done after Endgame. I was done after Endgame, but I wanted to see the Guardians yeah. finish up. I cared about them. I do, too. I you did- know what? There wasn't enough of Gamora in the third Guardians. No, I and, love and, her and her and green I, skin. I blame that on on uh, the the Russo brothers, yeah. bringing her back and whatnot. And James Gunn didn't have a lot to work with, yeah. But not not a surprise. I there, there's only I don't know if you've seen the delays. We're only getting one Marvel movie next year. What Deadpool? Deadpool three. three. Well, that is the one where That's the only one. I if Deadpool three doesn't do good, then just throw away the Marvel Cinematic Universe completely. I, if the next Avengers does bad. That's really. Well, when are they going to do? Oh, the Secret War thing. Yeah, I think that's 2025 now. Have you started the Loki season too? Yeah, I watched the first two episodes or, with my was family. Was it good? Yeah, it was fine. I because I really liked season yeah, one. It, uh, they got Ki Hoi Kwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's great. Round. Love to see him. Mm-hmm. Love to see him. And it, you know, it's fine. It was. Well, did you hear this news though? And how will this affect the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Disney Plus and Hulu are going to merge their apps and launch. Next month, according to Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, so the new joint app will serve as a comprehensive hub for the combined content on both platforms. Makes sense to me. And I did hear this because Disney Plus was a great debut, but they're not, it's not getting new stuff. It's when it's only new. one company, right. and you get their whole backlog, which was great yeah. right out the gate. But that's not a monthly. How many thing. times can we watch Lion King in cars? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's so I think combining with Hulu will help them, and it makes sense too because you know, yeah. Hulu does well. And so, yeah. but how does that work with the rights? Because Hulu plays FX. I I think that a lot of these companies sell back and forth their own things. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you saw Warner Brothers had a Roadrunner Wile E. Coyote movie. Okay. that they canned. Like really? it was a finished movie, half written by James Gunn, and they were going to can Ooh. it for a tax write off. But upon this news breaking out, all the streaming services are like, we'll buy it. Yeah. You know, like this is a finished. So there was a live action Roadrunner No, movie? it's animated. Oh, okay. And, uh, but I looked... do love Mason yeah, Roadrunner. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And, and, and everyone was, you know, mad about it. Like yeah. they're like, you finished this movie. It's done. This is anti-art to get a tax write-off. And yeah. It, like, so like Netflix will buy it. So it's weird. You know, it's, it's the Looney Tunes owned by HBO and it's yeah. going to be on Netflix. So they kind of just sell these properties around. You, you know what I just watched again over the weekend and I haven't I hadn't seen it since it originally came out in 2012. The film is delightful. Pitch Perfect. Oh yeah. It's just it still hits. It still hits. Now I kind of want to watch Pitch Perfect 2 again because my guy Adam Devine as Bumper is hilarious. Everybody sleeps on Rebel Wilson. 
She's Fat great. Amy. She's great. She's the greatest I, character in the history of movies. I love Fat Amy. Pitch Perfect One. I love the way I, she goes. I, why do you go by Fat Amy? Because you bitches will call me Fat Amy behind my back if I don't. <laughs> That's I, such a good scene. I great story. I watched. I had a job at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I did production services, so I would be doing the ones and twos if any organization had an event. Mm-hmm. Be up on the sound light board. One event was just people wanted to watch Pitch Perfect in a room. So <laughs> I got paid. 13 an hour to sit up in a booth and watch Pitch Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best job ever. (laughs) That is great. Brittany Snow is unbelievably attractive in the in the movie. Anna, Anna Kendrick. Kendrick. She's a one seed for sure. Uh, what uh, what other movie news did you want to bring up today on Netflix? The Killer. Oh yeah. David Fincher's The Killer released on Netflix straight to Netflix. It's yep. not in any theaters. And now now before you give the review, let me say I planned on watching it at the AWOD Theater, my home theater, some point this week. Mm-hmm. All right. So give yeah. me the review. So David Fincher is a top five director for me. Okay. I love his movies. I what, even a watched a few of them, like Fight Club, right? I'm all, Social Network is my fifth favorite movie. Love that. That's I really good. Just watch Zodiac. That's another five stars. That that is that one scares me. I oh, oh it's great. You just love killers. I love killers. They're so and interesting. And this one's called The Killer. It's called The Killer. But you didn't love it. Didn't love The Killer. I I liked, I enjoyed The Killer. Uh huh. It it didn't. I think David Fincher is so great when he's doing this like witty, snappy dialogue between characters. And he doesn't do that. And it's just one guy in this movie. Really? And it's so all the internal movie director, or The movie reporter for The Junkies gave it four and a half out of five stars. What is Stubb getting it? It's three and a half stubs. Wow. Three and a half stubs. A and full, that's, a full stub less. And and it's it's a three and a half for David Fincher. It's probably a four as a movie, mm-hmm. but I, I just wanted more from did him. Did you go to the theaters? Or did you watch it at it's your... It's not in theaters. Oh, so it's straight to Netflix. It's straight to Netflix. Well, that shows you why it's not a five out of He's five He's got to right deal there. with them, okay. right? Because he just did those two seasons of Mindhunter. Is that any good? It's great. Really? It's one of my favorite shows, and but it's all David Fincher. I don't really like following murderers and stuff like that. No, it is. And that movie is literally about the formation of the serial killer uh-huh. uh, division in the FBI, so you might <laughs> might not be for you. What, the killer? Uh, no, the uh, Mine Hunter, oh, the TV Mine show Hunter. is about yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking at his other movies. I thought he had more good movies. I thought Gone Girl was okay. Obviously, I love Fight Club, and I think Seven is is very clever. Oh, Seven is the girl amazing. with the dragon tattoo. I never saw that. Never one. saw that. It's it's just the I game, love the game is pretty damn good though. Yeah, and I well, Alien Three is pretty good. It's oh, all he right. He did Alien Three. He did Alien Three. Okay, that's a that's a uh, kind of lesser known by him. But I just am so in love with the Social Network. I've seen it maybe twelve times. Hmm. And I love it every time. It's, I mean, it's got it's got really good actors. It's got it. great actors. It's no. the, it's got uh, my girl from Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Brenda Song. Yeah, yeah, that's my girl. <laughs> a, that's your girl, Brenda I Song. Dr- I will drop everything and run to Brenda Song. I think I would take Tisdale. Oh, I mean, I love I, her too. I, I'm more. But more there's some. Brenda Song's got those big eyes. <laughs> just beautiful big eyes. <laughs> and she, she's great at the social network. <laughs> Andrew Garfield's crazy girlfriend. Um, yes, yeah, she is. Oh, so I also watched uh, again a rewatch for the first time of The Irishman. And you tried to the other week, yep, didn't you? Yeah. And you did not make it. I through. Didn't make it through, but I finished it last night. It's much better on the rewatch, and I think that's because um, I didn't really focus on Robert De Niro's character as much as Jimmy Hoffa. And oh, I was ta- some I've been, Pesci? Yeah, uh, oh, no, 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 that's, no, no. that's, uh, that's um, was... Al Pacino. Al Pacino, And right. so my new favorite thing has been to ask my mom and dad about Jimmy Hoffa. And uh, my dad said, this is a great line, he said, Oh, yeah, Jimmy Hoffa was a household name. He was basically the modern-day Elon Musk. Like, everybody knew about Jimmy Hoffa. And that's just crazy to me because he disappeared. Yeah, I didn't, right? I didn't know about Jimmy Hoffa before yeah. that movie. No, yeah. And they make it seem like uh, JFK's death in the movie was 
attributed to the mob, which is also like that's an interesting thing. Makes to me want to watch a bunch of conspiracy theory videos, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just yeah. So I, I I didn't I enjoyed it a lot more the second time, but enough with these four hour movies. It's tough, all right? Like, come you on. Have, do you think you're gonna watch Killers of the Flower Moon? Is that in your radar? When it comes to Apple TV Plus, probably. But yeah. everybody tells me it's like an epic story that is heartbreaking and the saddest thing ever. Oh yeah, it's devastating. Yeah. You like you gotta you know maybe have like a a good enough day. Right. No, my my buddy Kevin, who's also a big movie fan, he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm watching the movie, and then they kill another Indian. Oh, then they kill another Indian. Yeah. Oh, then you kill another Indian, and they just keep killing Indians. And it's like, oh, then this is real life too. Right. You know, like this isn't this a really movie. Happened. This is just. A yeah. re- so. It's not Pocahontas. It's no. not a happy <laughs> no, ending. No, it's not. It is. <laughs> All right. If we miss any movies or TV shows, you could call us 833-804-0910 or tweet us at 910 the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back.